No authority is higher than reality. Peter Nievo Zarlenga. Everybody, what's happening? Um, <laughs> we have another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm Kintad Svensgard, and along with me for the ride, as always, this week, please say hello, hello, hello to AJ Mass. Always along for the ride. I just am going to check very carefully now who else is along for the ride with us, because it yes. may just save your life. That's right. Uh, as long as we're not on public transportation, we may be okay, but we'll have to see. Folks, this is a podcast about our show that we love called Criminal Minds. We uh, recap and take an in-depth look at it each week uh, and watch and recap an episode. So the catch is I have never seen this show before, so this is really a first watch for me. And AJ has seen every episode plenty of times. So this is a rewatch for him. So you get two unique perspectives on the show. And that's such a unique format. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. I've never seen it done before. So this week, AJ, we're talking about season one, episode nine of Criminal Minds. It was entitled Derailed. It uh, originally aired on November 23rd, 2005. It was written by our friend, series creator, Jeff Davis. So I'm expecting a, expecting a real barn burner. Always a good sign, yes. Uh, directed by Felix Alcala. So why don't we just get into it? I'll just yeah, start I mean, I don't know recap. what Felix has in his bag of tricks, but I'm sure it'll be exciting for us. Yeah, let's see. We start off this week, and we have JJ walking into Hotch's office, and she asks Hotch out of the blue where L is. Okay. Maybe and she's been looking for Al, you know, they, they had yeah. a chat. Okay. You know, okay. there was a regular meeting of the uh, He-Man Women Haters Club, uh, <laughs> or excuse me, the He-Women and Man Haters Club. I don't know. <laughs> and so apparently we've learned that Elle is off in Texas to do a custodial interview, whatever that means, uh, with a child murderer named William DeVries. And JJ is like, you're letting her do custodials by herself already? I, maybe I agree with JJ on that particular question, but yeah, okay. it seems it seems a bit uh, quick. I mean, we're only two months into the series, <laughs> but okay, sure, Get, let, let let her have a little uh, a little uh, rope, you know. Right, exactly. you, you're never gonna uh, learn if you don't try. Exactly, and Hodge says she'll be fine, and then we cut to a train rolling along in Texas. Although I will say it looks suspiciously like some Metro North trains that I have been on that I used to take to New York City every day, AJ. But uh, at least they slapped some Texas stickers on the side and didn't call it the same name as a bar or something like that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have the same train models in Texas. It didn't bother me that much. No need to go off on a rant about something you see in the B-roll. I mean, that would be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The camera is uh, going up and down the train aisle, and as it does, we focus on a few of the passengers, and we see little vignettes of their lives. I'm assuming that it's right before they decided 
to get on this uh, train ride. We stop on a young man who's sneaking some booze. And we see that he was in a car accident and he was drinking and driving. His dad basically tells him not to come home. He's fed up. I, with I him. could have done with a second take on the dad's voiceover, by the way. <laughs> you yeah. you weren't drinking, were you? Do not bother to come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this character in general. Well, I'll, I'll get into him. I Anyway, I'll, I'll get into it in a bit. But uh, Yeah, we'll be seeing him again <laughs> quite often throughout this episode. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, we stop on a pregnant woman and we flash to her looking at a pregnancy test results uh, and hear her refusing marriage to her boyfriend, saying she's going to go to Dallas to take care and of it. You said pregnant woman, and yes, she is pregnant. But of course, we only know that from the flashback and the fact that as she was going into her flashback, she touched her belly. I mean, she's not far <laughs> enough along where she would be visibly pregnant. But it, that, that, that right. just made me laugh. I was just like, hmm, I wonder if she... Yes, she's touching her belly. The international TV yep. shorthand for <laughs> she's pregnant. <laughs> yes. And uh, we also... She did have that uh, little pregnancy test stick. But yeah, the results could have been... However, the phrase going to yes, take care of I it. I think we know what, what they mean by that. We can assume. All right. Then we focus on a uh, spectacled guy in a business suit, and he's sweating profusely. And then uh, we see that he has a gun in his briefcase. Mm. So maybe we're think we're getting a little suspicious of him. Uh, we flash to him at home, and his wife is telling him she's leaving him and she's going to Dallas, and don't follow her. And then uh, he puts his gun into his briefcase. Yes, I'm filing for a divorce, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a keeper. But uh, we then see a woman and flash to her at a desk and someone is asking her if she's sure that taking him to Dallas is a good idea. Uh, apparently she's written two books on this, whatever this is, and he's proof of her theories and she's taken him to that conference. You know, I, I, I've written two books, Kintad, and well... I, I, I'm glad to see that that makes me the expert on everything, <laughs> according to this lady. <laughs> I'm in her camp. I've written two books, Kintad, and I tell you. As someone as someone who's written two books, I'm going to give you the benefit of that doubt. You should know. <laughs> there you go. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's nice. We get to see the whole rogues gallery of, of the people here. I do think right. that this was probably best suited for one of those movies where, you know, five or six strangers wake up in a strange place and none of them know how they've gotten there. And this is kind of like, yeah. we get to see a little insight as we piece together, which one of them is the murderer kind of thing. So like an Agatha Christie whodunit sort of thing, maybe. I was going to mention Murder on the Orange Express, one of my favorite books uh, when I was coming up. Uh, I read a ton of Agatha Christie, probably what allows me to love shows like this. Uh, and if you can leave aside some of her books that might be canceled in this day oh, and some age. of those titles uh, definitely would be canceled <laughs> yes uh big fan uh and that's kind of what i was hoping for here but it's not quite the same no. uh, quite the same vibe then who is on the train aj but our girl l she's looking at the case file for her interview uh, that she's getting ready to do. She picks up her cell phone and calls Gideon, and she tells him um, she took the train to have more time so she can study the which file. Was, which is great to hear because yeah. I, my my first instinct is like, what? I know she couldn't take the jet, but damn, they they, they flew her into a place so far <laughs> away where she has to take a train. Like that's a bit odd. 
or if she she was on a Amtrak from from uh, Baltimore area to Texas. Yeah, so at least I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I could I could have rented a car at the airport, but I want to take the train to give me time. So like, good on L. Point to L for that one. So anyway, uh, Gideon is 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 kind of uh trying to give her a little bit of advice, and she's like, I know, Dad, <laughs> and I'm like. Dang, Al, getting a big bit big for your britches there. But uh, anyway, Gideon is busy. He doesn't have time to talk to her. And it doesn't matter because her phone loses cell service anyway. Then we're going to cut to two other guys that we haven't focused on at all yet on the train. Uh, one is sitting behind the other. And they are both, hey, that guy, familiar looking actors to me. The one in the front seat I know and recognize is Chris Bauer. He's been in a ton of stuff. I mainly remember him um, from the show True Blood, and he was also on The Wire and uh, Deuce, all HBO shows. I mean, it's not never going to be a surprise when you recognize people on Criminal Minds. They, that, they yeah, live exactly. for it, and this is, again, uh, another, I think, the beginning of a run where we're going to get a few people in our episodes in a row where we're like, ah, that's the guest star. Yeah, and uh, the guy that's sitting behind him looks real familiar to me, too. And he seems to be like one of those guys that I always think of plays bad guys. That is, that is the that is the great Jeff Kober. Yes, Jeff, Jeff Kober. Kober, who always plays the bad guys. I just saw him in a in a rerun of uh, Law and Order SVU as a cult leader. And as soon as he opens the door, I'm like, <laughs> he's the unsub. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So Kober, I, I didn't I didn't recognize him as much as. Uh, Bauer, but I I did recognize him indeed as that that guy. He seems to be looking at L. He leans over the seat and asks uh, Chris Bauer, whose character's name is Ted, and draws his attention basically to L's file, which clearly says Federal Bureau of Investigation on it. And AJ, if they had only used plain Manila folders, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't have had this episode at all. Very, very fair <laughs> point here. Or, you know, if Al had just rented the damn car. <laughs> right. So our guy, Ted, he glances over at the woman sitting across from him. Uh, she was the one who was taking someone to a conference. Uh, and they make eye contact. And I'm thinking perhaps uh, he is the person she is taking to that said conference. And the guy behind Ted says, I told you what was happening. I told you where we were really going. And it was at this moment I began to be suspicious of the nature of this gentleman that was sitting behind Ted. I'm getting the feeling that maybe he's more like an evil Jiminy the Cricket type. <laughs> uh, so right right from the jump, huh? That was uh, pretty much... It becomes clearer a little bit later. Yeah, but. spoiler alert for everyone who's who's listening to this, because hopefully you've seen the episode. Like, it, 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 he's a figment of Ted's imagination, this guy. Uh, and uh, it, it's not supposed to be obvious right off the bat, but it's obvious right off the bat. And so so there's, there's that to it. What makes me a little bit annoyed is that I understand it's a portrayal of this figment of his imagination, but the figment of his imagination is the one who sees the folder, whereas he was right. asleep. Ted was asleep. His eyes were closed. So there's no way Ted yep. would have seen it, but he's alerted to it by his, his figment. So, uh, do a little better. Just do a little better. Yeah. That's a minor thing, but it just it annoys me. Show, show a quick glance that's, from Ted. That's all you need. I, I thought yes. the same thing. And then, and then yeah. 
but before anyway, before I finish that, my thoughts on his suspicious nature, the train jerks to a stop. Now, I don't know how trains are in Texas, but this is not a point where I'm going to get up and say, what the hell is going on here? Which is, which is what our drunk guy, drunk driver guy does. I'm wondering if it's like his first train ride or they just don't stop ever come to a halt in Texas. Uh, you know, you, you, you tend to notice when they come to a jerking halt. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't like they eased into a station or something like that. You did you did skip over the one part, okay. I think, because I interrupted you and I apologize for this, is that while uh, Ted was looking at uh, the doc, he looks at her newspaper and the headline morphs into the words, we see you. So it was, it was you know, yeah. he's really, you, you, right off the bat, you go, he's a little True. bit wackadoodle here. And then on top of that, you know, he just sees, we see you. And then the train's, you know, so the paranoia is at an all-time high. And now the train has stopped. Uh-oh, this is not going to be good. Good point. Uh, a, a guard comes onto the train, says everything's going to be right, everyone. Just relax. Everything's fine. Elle asks him what happened, and at first the guard is is saying nothing, but then he sees her uh, <laughs> FBI folder <laughs> and uh, kneels down and asks if she's on the job, and she says FBI, and the guard explains that it was a suicide. Someone jumped in front of the train. And then, you know, wow, great communication system on this train. I mean, this guy is nowhere near the front of the train, so he couldn't have seen it, and in 10 seconds of this train stopping, he already knows why. <laughs> He's already going through. Calm down, everybody. It's fine. But he says it's like standard procedure and starts talking about that. So I'm guessing maybe this happens enough when you work on a train that that you get to know the signs. Yeah, it, I don't it might know. be. It might be. You know, this could be like you know something that they've nicknamed Suicide Alley uh, on their course, and like you know it's just, they had just gone over a trestle or something. <laughs> so you know, I'm sure they 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 knew the spot. So uh, sadly, sadly, uh, yeah, one victim already. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, our evil Jiminy Cricket is uh, whispering in Ted's ear asks and asks him, what the hell are those two talking about? The guard gets up again, starts telling everyone again to relax. And Ted's guy is tell- freaking him out and he's pointing out that the guard has a gun. He tells Ted, yeah, it's now or never. And as the guard passes, he uh, Ted lunges for his gun, shoots the guard. Then our, our evil conscience tells Ted to get the agent, and Ted runs at L, punches her in the head, manages to get her gun, and then he uh, points the guns at everybody and yells, Nobody move! Elle is, is okay, a little bit bloody, but she's saying, Hey, no need to hurt anyone else. And the, our conference woman uh, asks Ted what he's doing. He yells at, at her to shut up, and our conscience, evil conscience says, Good job, good job. Ted looks around some more with his guns, and we go to our credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. Yes. So now we cut to BAU, and already JJ has live a live view from one of the security cameras on the train, and she's announcing it to the crew. They have five hostages. The car is stopped on its tracks. They have already got one dead security guard from initial gunfire. Reed saying, this is going on now. He, she says, yeah, it's in West Texas. And Morgan asks my question, which is, why are they asking for BAU? Hotch says it's because a particular psychological aspect of the hostage taker, which they feel that BAU is especially equipped to handle. Reed sees something in the video and asks them to back it up a few frames. And uh, he stares 
at Ted for a bit and says, uh, tardive, tardive dyskinesia. And, uh, as you do. <laughs> and Morgan says, uh, explain that for, you know, us dummies, basically. Uh, and Reed says, it's severe facial tics, the kind that develop after years of antipsychotic medication. So now we realize this guy is a psychotic and he's got two guns and he's got hostages. Gideon, I guess, wasn't there at that moment, but he walks into the room and says, uh, hostage video on a train. And JJ says, yeah, in Texas. And Gideon says to himself, a train in Texas? And then looks at the video. Oh, my God. Uh, Morgan is like, what? He says, L. And the rest of the team finally figure out she's one of the hostages. This also annoyed me a little bit because, first of all, Reed, when Reed says, back that up a few minutes, I'm already writing notes. I've seen this episode and I just I didn't remember that he didn't notice. I thought he was going, look, that's Elle right there because Elle, just, her head pops up just where Reed told him to stop it. I'm like, oh, so he's going to notice Elle's there. And he, he he's oblivious to the fact that Elle's on the train. Um, these are the least observant people. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. And. I actually feel like it was more sense to me that Reed would be focusing on the facial tics, which I would have never looked at. Like, and that oh, is sure. something that I think Reed would hone in on. But yeah. Oh, and also there's your coworker that you see every day. <laughs> right. It, it just, it just, it was, they, they notice such minute details all the time. They walk into a room and like, look over there, that little tiny little thing. Over, that, there's, there's a jelly bean that's uh, the wrong color over there in that jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, they'll notice that instantly, but you know, they know Elle's in Texas. JJ knows Elle's in Texas. I'm sure they all know where she is at this point. Oh, this yeah. is in Texas? There's a woman who looks like Al right there on the screen. I mean, yeah, Hotch's his head is in his folder. And they're not really paying attention, but all right, fine, whatever. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess we don't have time for the Wonder Jet this uh, week because we cut straight to Texas and see a Bausuv driving along. That's a B-A-U-S-U-V for those who missed last week. Uh, <laughs> and it's driving <laughs> along and Gideon is giving us our quote for the episode. He says... Robert Oxton Bolton wrote, A belief is not merely an idea the mind possesses. It is an idea that possesses the mind. Deep, deep. And of course, it's certainly a uh, direct link to uh, what our unsub is going through, as uh, he is definitely possessed by something or someone, and that someone is Mr. Cobra. <laughs> yes. Uh so JJ is is actually with the group uh, this week, uh, and she's in the in the. In the and may uh, I say, she's probably only with the group because with L not there, someone's got to ask stupid questions. Yes, <laughs> and uh, she is saying how uh, law enforcement has the train surrounded. Uh, it's the bureau and it's local police, and they have snipers at the ready. But they don't want to take any action until after uh, negotiations, uh, and the. Feed from the trains to video cameras are being routed to the mobile ca- command center. Hotch said they need uh, some info on the on the train and the people in the train. So Morgan calls Garcia and uh, he doesn't have time for their usual banter because L is on the train. Yeah. OK. So, again, this is a thing that Criminal Nines has been doing a lot lately. And I know it's still season one, but we really have to work on the timing of our requests of our personnel. They were at the BAU and had a video feed. Garcia could have already started working on this 
identifying the people in the video because they already had the video. So why do they wait until they fly two plus hours to get there before he goes, you know what? Maybe we should ask Garcia to analyze this video and find out who's on the train. A hundred percent. I'm with you. JJ is uh, saying that they haven't talked to uh, Ted yet. It took them two hours just to convince him to let, let them put a uh, two-way phone on the train. But he's not speaking to anyone except for what he is calling the higher authorities. And uh, Hotch is like God. And JJ says, no, religion hasn't seemed to be a, a factor so far. And Hotch wonders if the negotiators, in fact, claim to be the uh, higher authority. And JJ says the unsub won't speak to him any longer. And he gave them three hours to produce the higher authority. And by the way, that was two and a half hours ago. <laughs> All right. So we got we got 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So then they figure they should come in looking like the higher authority. Uh, Gideon saying, put on the lights, put on your sirens, let's honk the horns, make people get out of our way, uh, pull up as close to the barricade as possible. And when we stop, we're going to wait for like 30 seconds before we get out of the car. Cut back to the train. And it looks like at this point, uh, Ted has gotten Elle to handcuff herself or handcuffed her to her seat. The crew comes in as they planned with the sirens on and our our evil spirit who uh, I'm just going to call him by his character name, which is Leo, even though they don't tell yeah, us we that. We won't learn that until much, much later long. on. Yeah, exactly. But Leo says, uh, it's showtime, Teddy. Our conference uh, woman says, Teddy, you have to listen to me. And Teddy's like, no, you have to listen to me now. Our drunk driver says, lady, your boyfriend is whacked out of his mind. And uh, she says, he's not my boyfriend. And Elle says, he's a psych patient, right? Uh, our conference woman, who I'm just going to call the doctor from here on out, says yes. And it's going to be all right. She reveals she's his doctor and she was taking him to Dallas to speak out at a conference as an example of being made to relieve severe psychosis. <laughs> and then and the only line I, I like <laughs> from our drunk driver He's like, oh, this is a relief. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I have that line exactly right, but yeah, <laughs> this, no, is this is a good This is a success story. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like this. I understand we need this because we need this information as the audience. But, I mean, they've been holed up for how long in this train together? Maybe two hours to convince him to put a phone line in. And then he gave him a three-hour deadline and two and a half hours of that is passed. So, let's say about five hours they've been in there. And this is the first time that they asked anything about, hey, who is this guy? Really? It took five hours? It, it, yeah. Come on. Come on. And may I add, come on. I get we need <laughs> the information, but write better. Do right better. <laughs> yeah. Elle asks the doctor what they can do to try to calm this guy down. And the doctor is saying he's never done this before. He's never been violent, but we should make him feel less threatened. A drunk driver says we're a threat to him. He's the one with two guns. Um, then all of a sudden, our, our pregnant lady, she groans and, and throws up. That prompts the doctor to get up. And she's pleading now with Teddy, please, this girl is sick. Uh, Leo says, it's a trick, Ted. And Ted yells at the doctor to shut up and sit down. And then we finally see our briefcase man start to look like he's going to get into action. Uh, he starts to reach in his briefcase. 
It looks like he's going to pull out something. And Ellis says, don't be stupid. And he pulls out. I, maybe I didn't get this. It looks like maybe it was a Bible. I thought it was a Bible. Yes. Okay. And and our uh, drunk driver guy is like, oh, what are you going to do? Throw that out? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so that's too much to light. <laughs> You're yeah, laughing. You're laughing. That's true. That's true. I just, I, I guess I alluded it to it earlier. I just didn't really care for this actor's portrayal of this part. And I feel like he's one of those stock characters that we have to throw on there. But it's just annoying. Yeah, well, you, everybody's got to be a hurdle. The, no, none of the none yeah. of the extra characters there are are there. For, you know, either have to be a help or a hurdle. I know we're going to get into an, an analysis of that later in the episode, but you can't have a character who's irrelevant. Otherwise, don't don't write them on. So, oh, of course, don't put them on. There. You have a the pregnant lady. At least she's not going into labor pregnant. You know, but but okay. So right. she's sick. That's a hurdle. Oh, oh, he's got a gun. Will he pull the gun or not? Okay, I'm an angry drunk, and I'm gonna blah 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 blah, and I'm gonna say the wrong thing. I'm the doctor. I could probably help. You know, I'm L. I'm an FBI agent. So yeah, everyone's got to have their thing, right. and they have to demonstrate it here because we're still in the first third the episode <laughs> <laughs> exactly so we see uh ted staring out the window looking at the uh the the suv and he's at wondering why they're just sitting there and then he starts screaming come on come on and uh, our drunk driver says the guy is whacked out of his mind and then calmly takes a sip of his whiskey <laughs> bau is finally getting out of the suv and and gideon is saying don't look at the train just ignore it uh, if we're the high authority, we're not concerned about losing a few innocent civilians. Hotch says he'll go and talk to the HRT commander. I'm assuming that's hostage rescue team. Sounds good. I just made that up. Could be Houston Rail Transit, but they're not near Houston, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, meanwhile, an agent comes up to introduce himself to Gideon. Says, I'm Frank Moretti, Dallas out field office. But we know him. It's MC Gainey. Mr. Friendly from Lost. Mr. Friendly from Lost. Yes, I just have Mr. Friendly uh, in my notes. And he actually is a friendly kind of guy in this, so it works out nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, Well-known character actor, a lot of stuff, but definitely I think of him as Mr. Friendly from Lost. Anyway, he tells Gideon that Elle is still all right and that the unsub hasn't made any demands other, wanting, other than wanting to talk to a higher authority. And he's yes. He how are they supposed to deal with a psychotic that won't even speak to them? And Gideon says, well, it depends on what his particular level of delusion is. That's when Reed starts to go into uh, some speak about psychotics believing they are being sent messages by the government, God, aliens. In fact, John Nash believed he was being recruited by aliens to save the world. And uh, Moretti says, oh, he saw that movie. And Reed wants to start pointing out some ina inaccuracies in the film. <laughs> But uh, uh, Morgan stops him. <laughs> Not really the time for that. For movie Listen, reviews. if you want to start uh, your own A Beautiful Mind podcast, that's fine, Reed. But uh, let's get Elle off the train first. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that exchange there immensely. <laughs> yeah. Hotch is with the uh, tactical team leader who reports that they're in a position and ready from every angle. Uh, Hotch says they may be able to negotiate with this guy, but if he requests a priest or... In any way, it seems like it's time for the end game. We'll have to uh, rush for the rush the train. Fair and take enough. Them out. We know the stakes. We've now raised the stakes, and uh, you know, you, you didn't point out that Gideon, uh, while 
that whole conversation is going on is looking at the train, which he told everyone not to do. Thanks a lot, Gideon. Do as I say, not, <laughs> not as I do. Not as I do. Yeah. We cut back to the train and Teddy is pacing up and down the aisle saying, come on, come on, come on. This is going to end today. And uh, Leo is telling him to stay focused. So he looks out of the window and now we uh, cut back to Gideon, who is in the mobile command center at this point, And he's saying that this guy's delusions are important because that's exactly what we have to play to. So the question is, what does he believe is going on? What, what does he believe is happening? Moretti says, good luck. I tried to convince him I was the highest authority, but he wouldn't believe me. And uh, Gideon says, this guy's paranoid. He believes in secrets. If I'm the higher authority, I don't go to him. He comes to Makes me. Makes sense, actually. Yeah, you know, that totally, I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with Gideon on the playbook. Sometimes Gideon jumps the playbook to like, you know, skips a few chapters, but I'm totally with him so far. Reed is looking at the monitor and says, guys, because our, our boy Ted is on the move. Uh, he goes to the pregnant woman and grabs her. And Elle is shouting, take me, take me, take me. And uh, Ted tells Elle, you think I'm going to let you send them messages? <laughs> um, Elle says that they're going to want to talk to her and she can get him whatever he wants. Again, she pleads for him to take her. But Leo is right up in our boy's ear. He's like, don't buy it, Ted. Our uh, drunk driver gets up. I guess he wants to talk. He's like, hey, man. But Ted uh, immediately pistol whips him back down into his Minor chair. Cheer. I mean, I'm never rooting for violence, but yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, grabs the pregnant lady and drags her along the car to where the phone is. He's going to have her call. Uh, he's telling her to, to say what he wants her to say and to not deviate from that. And don't try to send them any secret messages or codes. <laughs> She's like, codes? She finally says that uh, she understands, you know, under duress, and she picks up the phone. It rings, and Gideon picks up. He's like, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nobody's here. Hang up. Let it ring 16 more times. Is that what we're doing? Oh, we've done that already? All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I really don't have faith in Gideon from what I've seen before uh, on the phone. But anyway, uh, Ted tells the pregnant lady to ask them who they work with and who just arrived. Uh, she does that, and Gideon says, tell him it's someone who can help resolve the situation. She does, and then uh, he has her ask what part of government do they work for. Uh, Gideon says, I never said I work for the government. Moretti starts to freak out a little bit, but Morgan is just all, hey, less he says, the more mystery, and the higher in authority we become. So Morgan has watched the X-Files. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, you would think, you would think Mr. Friendly would know. Look, 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 look. If we just call them the others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Ted finally has her ask if they are FBI. Gideon says, tell him, him, tell him he can ask me himself, which she tells to Ted, who doesn't seem too happy about it. But uh, he grabs the phone and says, uh, tell me who you are or this agent dies. Uh, Gideon says, uh, you know who I am. Ted says, uh, if you're the higher authority, then you can have it removed. Gideon plays along immediately, says, hey, that'll take some time. Uh, Ted says, no, he wants it removed now. Gideon says, it can't be done that quickly. And <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and reaches to do his uh, thing. But Ted's like, no, wait. 
Okay, okay, you can have one hour to remove it, or I swear to God, I'll kill every single agent on this train. Moretti is like, it? He wants it removed? Do you know what it is? And Gideon's like, no, but I just bought us an hour. I, I to only figure wish it out. that Mandy Patinkin would have done a little bit more of a Mandy line here. Just like, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Completely talking up my ass. That, that would have been much more enjoyable to me. I, I, I did like that. You're like, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just finding out what the delusion is. I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to guess. It's like, okay, I bought us an hour. That gives us one more hour to figure it out. I, I, I like yeah. this so far. And yeah, he was. Right on point. He didn't, you know, what? What do you mean? He just went straight into with the great. Yeah, no, it's going to take good us a job time. on Gideon so, on this part. But job. of course, we don't really have an hour because we have a commercial break. <laughs> yes. We come back from break and 20 minutes have already passed. <laughs> I, 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 do like, I do like the fact that it's just, it's, it's just a straight out announcement. Well, we've got 40 minutes left. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Mr. Friendly uh, gives us that update as soon as we come back. And uh, Hotch asks Reed if there's any delusion that seems to be more common than, than others. Maybe they can go off that. But Reed says the delusions are as varied as the people that have them. And they're colored by personal experience. It's interesting that he said that here because a bit later he says something else that kind of we'll put a made in me it. think of this. But anyway. Cut back to the train, and uh, Leo is again all up in Ted's ear. You can't turn back now, Ted. They won't ever stop hounding you and following you. And Ted interrupts him. I'm doing it. Leave me alone. We cut back to the doctor who is uh, helping uh, our drunk friend with his wounds. And uh, Elle turns to them and asks if any of them have a cell phone with service. Again, she might have found that out five, five hours, hours ago. Yeah. But- five hours without service. <laughs> I think we know the answer. <laughs> Uh, so they don't, and uh, the drunk driver is wincing a little bit, and the doctor is telling him he's bleeding more than he should be from a cut this small, and he says, thin blood. <laughs> drunk blood. <laughs> we know the yeah. truth. L says the agent's outside needs to know what it, it is that he wants removed, and the doctor says he thinks that the government is monitoring him and watching him. And the drunk driver actually agrees and says, that, you know, they watch all of us. They have ways of finding out everything we do. Briefcase guy, again, he, he's barely heard from in this episode. But anyway, <laughs> he, he uh, chimes in and says, don't be stupid. But uh, our drunk driver says, there's an FBI agent on board. Do you guys think that's a coincidence? Briefcase guy does say, hey, he's going to kill us. He's already killed the security guard. And the doctor thinks that's because the security guard had a gun, so he felt threatened. Meanwhile, Ted is at the other end of the train yelling about how it's so hot. And so our drunk driver says, you took hostages in the middle of Texas. Of course it's hot. Oh, please be quiet. (laughs) Which part of don't antagonize him did you not hear? Mr. Already Been Pistol Whipped. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Ted walks toward the drunk driver with uh, purpose in his heart. But uh, the doctor shouts no and gets between them. She says, that's what they want, Ted. They want to divert you from having it removed. She turns his arm around and we can see a bunch of scars on the arm. And the doctor says, you're so close to having it removed. Gideon is watching this on the monitor and says, oh, look at his arm. Look at his arm, Uh, which is covered in scars. Gideon uh, tells them that's the places where... He must have tried to dig it out with a razor or a pin. 
And Moretti, a little slow on the uptake, says, dig what out? And Hotch says, maybe it's a microchip. Yeah. And then Reed says. No, I just, this whole scene, I, I like everything about this. I just don't like the way they, they, they should have made it more obvious that the doctor was doing it on purpose to show his arm to the cameras. Like, you know, they, they know the cameras are there by yeah. now, or at least Elle could, could inform them. Like, give Elle a little bit, give the agent some agency and say, hey, you know, if you if you know the reason, yeah, he's trying to get this out of his arm. Okay, well, show the, show the camera so that we can get the information to them. Like, give them some agency. Um, and, you know, if, if they don't do that, and I think maybe it's because they want us to try and figure it out for ourselves. But then Morgan actually says... Those look like scars. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so that's not yeah. the point. So either either give them the agency to do it or or, or don't over explain. So I, I just it again, it I like yeah. the scene. I just wish it was a little neater. Yeah, I think maybe they tried to give that with give us that with the conversation that they just had where like we need to figure out what it is, but it, it wasn't enough if that's what you were going to do and, and there's I mean, no but, uh, and there's no reason for the doctor to really show the arm unless she's in on it but it didn't seem like that you know you know let's pass the bechdel test let's get them some agency here you know let's let's have her go hey you know what would be really good if we did something because we're women <laughs> it's not just the men agents doing right. everything so now reed reed does say when when they're talking about it being a microchip he says, well, that's as common a delusion as claiming to be the new Messiah. But you just said a few minutes ago that, oh, they're all varied. It could be as any, there's no common ones. But now you have two that it could have been. I mean, he didn't have to jump there, but. I, I agree. I I, well, you know, I guess if he's saying there's no like one that's more prevalent than any other, but there may be a smaller group that are more prevalent than like some obscure ones, but you know, not to the point where you could say, oh, it's either A, B, or C. Uh, I'm gonna give right. Reed the benefit of the doubt because because nobody nobody trusts him with anything, man. They don't let him talk about his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Reed does bring up uh, Ralph Tortorici, who had an entire classroom hostage because he believed uh, microchips had been implanted in his body. I actually looked that case up, AJ, and it actually happened right in my neck of the woods at University of Ooh. Albany. Uh, I'm in upstate New York. Go so, Great Danes. Uh, <laughs> is that what they are? I have no idea. Well, hey, <laughs> I know my mascot. What do you want? I've written two books, so you'll have to trust me okay. on this. Uh, yes, it's hot in here. And how fantasy sports explains the world, yes. And how fantasy sports explains the world. Just in case you guys want to go out and pick those up. You should indeed. <laughs> My read. <laughs> Morgan says, wait a minute. This guy thinks ha he has some kind of device stuck in his arm. <laughs> yes, Morgan. Uh, Gideon says probably. And if we don't take it out, he's probably going to kill somebody. Then Garcia rings up uh, Morgan. She has the details of everyone on the train. So she uh, lets him know who, who everyone is. Morgan says, great work. Send me everything. And uh, then we cut to Morgan t telling uh, Gideon about the hostages. Uh, first, we have. I will say one. I, I, say, I will say one thing about that that call he gets from Garcia, which she she does tell him about uh, Ted being Doctor Theodore Breyer, 
Uh, and there's yes. an article picture there, which is a really bad Photoshop job, quite frankly, of his face being placed in an actual article. But it does look – I froze I froze this frame there. It actually, for once, it's an actual article. It, it's, it read as if it was a real article. The only problem is it's an article about a London uh, expert in M-theory. It all takes place in London. There's a London phone number. And, like, this guy is not from London. So, they, they could have at least changed the name of the university if they are going to do that. So uh, – I was yeah. almost going to give a plus one to the uh, production team for the Photoshop effort, and then no, no, minus one right back. Yeah. Boo! Doesn't work. <laughs> we cut to uh, Morgan, and he's uh, telling uh, Gideon about the hostages. He says, first of all, our uh, our guy in a business suit, he is Harry Anderson. The magician from Night Court? Not the <laughs> yeah, not the star oh, of Night Court. Man. Uh, he, he is a paper goods salesman. He's been uh, married for 18 not years, anymore. doesn't have any kids. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's not nineteen. <laughs> and how good is Garcia if she doesn't have that information? I mean, come on, how does she not have the eavesdrop conversation <laughs> from the this morning's flashback? <laughs> Gideon takes a look at his driver's license photo and says he doesn't take chances. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Okay, nice bit of work there. I mean, we've already uh, seen that to be the case. I mean, Oz is the observers who know he has a gun and he went for the Bible. So, you know, okay. And like you said, he's been quiet and just sweaty. <laughs> then we learn about our drunk driver. Finally, uh, this kid's name is Josh Patel. He's 20 years old. He got expelled from Gillette University for not being the best a man can get. <laughs> yeah, and, if you didn't say it, I would have. So <laughs> and also, uh, <laughs> For driving his car into the library building while he was drunk. Gideon says, yeah, and he's drinking now, and we definitely don't need a drunk in there. Then Morgan brings up the girl. They don't have a lot of information on her, just her driver's license. Her name is Elaine Curtis. She lives in a small town in West Texas. She has no credit cards, no passport. Doesn't look like she travels much at all. That's all he has on her. Then Morgan... I'm surprised she doesn't have the results of the pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Garcia. Uh, then Morgan talks about our our doctor. She is Dr. Linda Deaton. She's a psychiatrist at Stokes Mental Health Center in El Paso, where uh, our guy Briar has been living for the last nine years. I like living is the phrase he used. Mm-hmm. Insti- institutionalized. She's a popular speaker, and she speaks at a ton of conferences. And in fact, she has one tonight in Dallas. That's all the info they got for now. And uh, Gideon says, which is kind of an ironic line, let's hope none of them make the situation worse. Yeah, it was it was a nice exchange. And Morgan's like, I don't see how this lineup is going to help us. Yeah. <laughs> now, this and Gideon does say, let's, you know, let's hope they don't make it worse. This is where if I when I, when I wrote a bunch of scripts I, in, in college and produced shows and everything, we used to have a standard stage direction. It was called The Door Opens, Lenny and Squiggy Enter. And it's whenever you have a line of dialogue where whatever you just said, that's going to happen next. So it was just kind of like, let's hope they don't make it worse. Hello. And here they are to make it worse. (laughs) The door opens, Lenny and Squeaky enter. You just know that the very next thing you're going to see is one of them making it worse. All right. So let's cut back to the train. Hello. We see Lenny and Squeaky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Actually, Leo, who is, again, all up in Ted's. Well, I guess that's all he can do because... That's his. That's his lot in life. Being <laughs> we'd have a much more interesting show if suddenly someone else started having a conversation with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So he's like, they're messing with your Ted. They're trying to weaken your resolve. Harry Anderson asks Elle, why aren't they helping us? And Elle doesn't really answer him. She just says, we're going to get through this just fine. Josh the drunk says, we? He isn't pissed at us. He's just you. And uh, the doctor thinks, says, he probably thinks we're all agents. He believes that almost everyone is. Our idiot Josh stands up and says to Ted, I'm no government agent. Leo warns Ted that he's trying to confuse him. Uh, Josh says, I'm with you, big brother, all that, and slowly starts walking toward him. You know, Shoyle, big brother and all that, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Rest in peace, David Lander, by the way. Oh, uh, David L. Lander, yeah. So Ted raises his gun and, and points it at Josh, says, stop it, stop it. And the uh, doctor gets up. She says, no, Ted, it's okay. He doesn't mean anything. And Josh is like, yeah, chill. I support you. Screw the government. And uh, Ted tells the doctor to make him sit down. I mean, good for the doctor for stepping in and diffusing the situation. I mean, this is this is two straight uh, train scenes in which the doctor has indeed taken control and done something productive. So, uh, hey, Morgan, maybe uh, you're wrong. Maybe one of the hostages can help you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe in a big way. We'll see. In the command center, Hotch is saying, uh, how do we remove a microchip that's not there? Practice. <laughs> uh, Reed says it's just like Carnegie Hall no uh, Reed says his speech is lucid there's no sign of neologisms how does, is that how that's pronounced neologisms ne- 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 neologism it's new words right he's, AJ, not, that he, you make he's up. not coining his own words he's not speaking in his own language these are all words right. that exists that we can all understand yes sometimes i need a read translator neologist um, <laughs> anyway this guy can systematize and he's going to be able to keep his thinking relatively organized um, he's systematic he's, he's organizatic <laughs> why he's grease lightning <laughs> basically it means he's on his game and he'll be watching them like a hawk then reed says you know what we can fake it uh, we can uh, conceal a microchip in the palm, do a little sleight of hand, which Reed actually happens to be quite practiced at. Morgan is like, what are you talking about? Like a magic trick? And Reed is like, yeah. And Hotch says no, but Reed is insistent. He can do it. Uh, Hotch doesn't want to risk that another agent becomes hostage. Morgan's like, okay, Reed, teach it to me. If you can do it, so can I. Oh, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Reed is like, Dude, I've been doing this my whole life, and we have less than 30 minutes. Exactly. So if you uh, can do it, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wish Reed would have said, if the if the, the goal here was to hit on a girl in a bar, I'd send you. <laughs> but Ooh, this requires some good. skill, dude. <laughs> yeah. That would have been good. Uh, basically, Reed is saying, we don't have another choice, and Gideon agrees with He's him. right. We don't have an opportunity. You got to send him in. Uh, so I guess there's a little break there, and, and we come back. It's a little bit later, and JJ is telling Gideon more about Dr. Breyer. He's one of the top physicists in the world. He's written hundreds of papers on M theory, and he also worked for the government for several years in the 80s. And uh, Gideon says that's probably where he, the source of all of his delusions. And we cut back to the train, and Elle is saying to the doctor that they need a strategy. So the doctor decides to talk to Ted. And this is the subject of my TED Talk. (laughs) Yes. Uh, She says, Ted, are you feeling a little better now? You're in no danger here. These people don't want to hurt you. 
And every time it looks like Ted might be listening a little bit, Leo comes in and screws it up. Basically, uh, he starts he starts laughing and is like, sure, they don't want to hurt you. Uh, the doctor says the FBI agent just happened to be on the train. She wasn't here for you. Let these people go. I'll stay on the train with you. You just need to let these people go. As she's saying this, we I guess we get Ted's view. And, well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I know Criminal Minds likes to play with visual effects, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is just Ted's view. <laughs> right. And uh, he's seeing her like she's an angel, I guess. He's all glowing and has her arms outstretched and uh, a big glowing light and uh, like the, a, a goddess or something. And uh, the doctor is saying, no one wants to hurt you. But then all of a sudden, the delusion that he's having goes kind of south because <laughs> she says, uh, we don't want to hurt you. We want to kill you, <laughs> which was kind of kind of scary, a little freaky, a little horror movie. Well, huh? I, I like the fact uh, that it, it does, you know, kind of give us a perspective on the delusion that we wouldn't normally have if we just watched it from the outside point of view. So, I, yeah, cool. Okay. He yep. is a threat, but he's not a threat because he necessarily is is just a bad person or anything. He like this is this is what he's hearing. So I, I get it. He's he's hallucinating, and yeah, I agree. It's nice to see from his vantage point. Ted uh, does start to scream and uh, run up on the doctor. But Ella's like, "Don't!" She stops him. She stops him with the line, "I will make sure they never take it out of you." You hurt one more person on this train. I will make them leave it in you forever. I th- actually, that was, good. That was a good, yeah, she, good play on. on Elle recognizes what's going on here. She she she's not uh, your average hostage. You know, like I said, she may be taken hostage by someone who's a little bit uh, out of whack, but uh, he has no idea what he's dealing with. <laughs> she can handle herself. Right. The uh, phone on the uh, other end of the train starts to ring. Ted goes to pick it up, and it's Gideon. He's saying, is everything all right in there, Dr. Breyer? He says, I want it out. Gideon says, well, I'm sending two technicians in to remove it. Ted is like, no, only one person or I'll kill every agent up in this piece. And they don't have time anymore. Give him 20 minutes. He's not. They, they don't have any time. He wants it out. Yeah, which, you know, I think perhaps Gideon overplayed his hand a little bit here because, you know, uh, Reed wanted to practice a little bit more. <laughs> now he doesn't have the time to practice. Quickly in the command center, we see Hotch doing uh, some surgery on a cell phone to get out a, a microchip, quote unquote, for Reed to use. And uh, then we see Reed getting fitted in a bulletproof vest. And tell, Morgan is telling him, whatever you do, do not take this off. He tells Reed in hostage situations, sometimes SWAT won't even tell the negotiator when they're going in. And Reed knows it's because the slightest change in tone of voice or choice of words can give the whole thing away. Morgan tells him not to make eye contact with L. He's just a technician. He's never seen her before. Hotch brings in the microchip. Reed starts to practice his sleight of hand and is, is dropping oh, you the mi- chip. Oh, you missed my favorite line of the episode, though. You, you missed my favorite line of the episode there. Is when Mo- oh, oh. Morgan tells him, you know, he, he just believe his delusions and go along with them. And he goes, well, actually, you know, it's very common for... He turns to Alex Jones. He's like, actually, microchips are implanted in people all the time. And it's not uncommon to find microchips inside yes. people. Like, would you believe that? Like, you told me to pretend, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I did skip over that part. Uh, that, that was a good line. Bad me. Uh, so, so he's practicing his sleight of hand. And it, Reed is practicing and he drops it enough to the point where Gideon's like, you know what? Maybe we should just cancel this whole thing. Reed insists that he can get it. 
And uh, so on his very next try, of course, he, he palms the chip. He's doing perfectly. a great, uh, great job of uh, working with those gloves he hadn't had on before. So, you know, you give him a few minutes. Jeez, I know. I know. You know, he doesn't have like all the time in the world. But, you know, you're just the one who cut him 20 minutes short. Gideon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gideon does tell him uh, as soon as he takes out the chip, get off the train. Tell him you have to get back to the higher authority. Don't stay in there. That's an order. Reed asks them if they could all do him a favor. And Morgan says, anything, buddy. And he says, uh, could at least one of you look like you're going to see me again? <laughs> oh, oh, poor Reed. But I mean, way to stand up for yourself. But at the same time, oh, poor Reed. Yeah. Yeah. And Hotch says... Completely monotone and with perhaps the most deadpan face ever. Uh, we'll see you when you get back. It's so bad that even Reed has to chuckle at this. <laughs> wow. I do not buy you for one second, dumbass. <laughs> Anybody but Hotch maybe could have delivered that line and gave him a little bit more confidence. And uh, yeah. Reed walks up to the train. Briar meets him at the door and he's brought our pregnant lady Elaine with him. He has the gun pointed at her belly. With Leo prompting him, he says, you know, that's far enough to read. And Reed sort of announces himself. He says, hello, everyone. I'm here to remove a chip from Dr. Breyer. I'm certainly not an FBI agent, L, so please do not make eye contact with me. <laughs> <laughs> Breyer does insist that he take off the vest. And Reed says, uh, well, I don't have any weapons. The higher authority doesn't authorize it for technicians. Breyer still insists he takes it off. Morgan, watching from the monitor's monitor, is like, damn it, Reed, I said don't take the vest off, as if he had a choice. Like, You know, Reed is part of the team, guys. And, I mean, I don't recall any of you uh, saving another team member's life uh, by shooting somebody in the head at deadly accuracy. Because <laughs> Reed's done that. Yeah, good point. Reed does sit across from uh, Briar. He starts to get ready for the procedure. Briar sees him shaking a little bit and asks him why he's so nervous. And Reed says, I, I told you I'm not used to being around guns. Good. Good. Great, yeah. great job there. I, I bought it. He does uh, He does the little procedure. He cuts into Briar's arm. Hocus pocuses uh, he, it. I mean, so that excellent it looks job like psychic he, surgery. Definitely an ex excellent job. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't also pull out six goose livers <laughs> and a telephone cord. <laughs> and it's so good of job. Our, our doofus Josh is like, whoa, did you see that? Um, he really was a Jimmy. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is great because I guess it helps sell the illusion. But uh, Briar is, is smiling. He looks like almost peaceful. Uh, he says, I knew it. I knew it. And uh, Reed gets up to bounce, and he's like, I got to go, higher authority and all that. Briar says, oh, not yet. He points the gun at Reed and says, turn it on. <laughs> I think they took a quick break here, but anyway, we're, we're right back, and, and Briar is saying, turn the chip on. And Reed is like, excuse me? Gideon, who's watching in the command center, says, get off the train, get off the train. He can't hear you. He can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> And JJ is like, no, uh, something's wrong. Uh, meanwhile, Hotch is over with the uh, HRT commander. And again, basically just there to remind us that they're prepping to go in if, if things go south from here. And again, can one of you believe that he's going to pull this off, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he survived part one. Give him, give him a moment or two to survive part two. That, that's all exactly. I'm saying. I agree. Briar is like saying, 
turn this thing on or I'm going to pull the trigger. Uh, Reed says he can't turn it on. Briar is like, why not? And L chimes in. She says it has to be implanted. And Reed picks right up on that, says she's right. The chip gets its power from the tiny electrical impulses fired between the neurons. Has to be in your skin for it to work. Great job there. Uh, thank goodness this. Th- thank goodness they sent Reed in because Morgan would not have been able to cover for that. Yeah, because he's not, you know, yeah, Mr. Science right. smart. Yeah, Morgan would have tried to get into fisticuffs or something <laughs> at that point. Reed tries to leave again. Briar tells him sit down. He's not going anywhere. And our nimp can poop. Josh says. See, this dude actually had a chip in his arm. Oh, Josh. Back at the command center, JJ is uh, watching the scene on the monitor. She says everything seems calm for now. Gideon says, uh, well, Reed is still on the train. Now we have two agents in there. He starts ringing the phone. We cut to the train and Briar is looking at the phone and Reed says, it's probably the higher authority. I told you I have protocols to follow. I was supposed to go back out there. He's like, if you want me to stay, I'll stay, but you'll have to explain it to the man. (laughs) To the man. (laughs) And Leo is like, oh, the man. They're still trying to tell you what to do, Ted. Ted says, why can't you all just leave me alone? Our brainless Gillette student, Josh, stands up and says, leave you alone? Reed tells him to stay out of this. Josh is like, no, the government does watch us. You got microwaves and satellites. I'm with you, man. And Rita's like, uh, don't agitate him. Yeah, this, this this is just a great sequence here where now from this point forward, we are just like, this is the point in, in the French farce where all the doors are opening and people are running all over the place and the kitchen catches on fire. Like we just are getting one thing after the other here, building on top of each other as the phone starts ringing and Josh won't shut up and Ted's getting upset. The doctor's like, no, you please calm down. Will somebody answer the phone? It's, it's like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is chaos. Dr. Breyer, answer the phone. Josh is, is he's still going on, like I said, tracking devices and cars and personal recordings and on, and televisions. And and uh, you don't think someone is monitoring everything that you watch. You know how many patents are issued for devices to monitor people. Phone is ringing and Leo, Leo is still yelling at Ted. Uh, this and He's telling him that, that Josh is the agent who's playing the hero. Else is like, answer the phone, Ted. Uh, the doctor gets up and says to Josh, stop, this isn't going to help. She turns around and says, Ted, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a kid. Elle says, come on, sit down. And Josh is like, now you telling me what to do? You'd only have one gun if you weren't here, Elle. <laughs> say Elle. He might as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leo saying, he's not with us, Ted. He's not with us at all. Reed says, answer the phone. <laughs> You're right. It is quite chaotic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Leo says, they're coming for you, Ted. And then Briar panics and he shoots and he not he doesn't hit Josh. He hits the doctor who just looks at him and is like, Teddy. And then she starts to go down. And uh, Josh is like, damn, damn, like he was Florida Evans. <laughs> the phone is still ringing. Briar goes, picks, finally picks it up. Gideon says, what happened, Ted? I did what you asked for. And Briar says, man, he's tired. I've been fighting you people for so long. Uh, Gideon says, you don't have to fight anymore. Leo says, he's a liar, Ted. And uh, Briar says, hey, it, it, it all ends today. Me, these agents, it all ends today. And JJ is there to say, what does that mean? Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> to explain for, explain for all the 
stupid people watching. <laughs> Hotch says it means he's decided on an end game. And I don't think Avengers was even out at this point. But whatever. Gideon says it means he's going to kill himself and the hostages. I mean, in that order? <laughs> well, yeah. Because if it's Boy. in that order, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. If he's going to kill yeah. himself and then the hostages. <laughs> then the hostages. I, I think that's the preferred order. <laughs> uh, we cut back. It's a little bit later. And the phone is ringing yet again. And Elle is talking to Ted. And she says, no one else on this train is an agent but me. Just let everybody go. Leo is like, I don't think so, Ted. Do you? And Reed, he's uh, with the people that are around the unconscious doctor. And he says, Dr. Breyer, we, we need to get this woman help. And Ted says, hey, well, who's going to help me? And Reed says, the higher authorities will. They're not what you think. They're not the enemy. The phone is still ringing. Breyer gets up and shoots the phone. It <laughs> says, well, they're not going to help anymore. True. <laughs> <laughs> Gideon tells Hotch to let him know when HRT is ready. So it looks like they're getting ready for the worst. Morgan says, Gideon, you send those guys in there. The hostages hostages are going to die. Gideon says, if we don't do something now, they're going to all die anyway. Cut to Ted, and he's rocking back and forth in a, one of the seats saying, it's, it's not gone. Leo says, I know. And Ted says, you said when the chip came out, it would go away. And Leo says, well, there must be more. Ted says, uh, but you said it was the only one, Leo. That's the first time he says the name Leo. And uh, Reed is watching this. So it uh, looks like he picked up on that. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Ted says, I can still feel the buzzing, the burning. Reed says, hey, Dr. Breyer. And Elle shouts at Reed, Reed. And I'm like, good, good job blowing his cover. There, I mean, Elle. yeah, it, like, it, it doesn't really matter at this point. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> And he does answer her as L, but like she are she yeah, already yeah. the, the like, genie's out of the bottle at that point. Briar does stand up and point his gun at Reed and says, "Is there another one?" Uh, Reed actually kind of smiles and says, "You know there isn't. If there were, Leo would wouldn't have told you." And uh, Leo says, "Don't listen, Ted." Briar starts yelling to make it stop, and Reed starts going into his thing. I know what it's like. I know what the voices are like. The voices won't stop. They've been talking to you since you were a child. And Leo keeps screaming, he's lying. He's making you think I'm not real. So Briar says, you're lying. And Reed says, that's, who's that speaking? That's not even Dr. Briar. Uh, he kind of looks beside Ted and says, uh, why won't you let him think for himself, Leo? And Ted is like, you can see him? Reed smartly says, yeah, he's right there. Leo is like, shoot this kid. Reed says, uh, why don't you let him make his own decisions? It's almost like he heard him and is talking directly to him at yeah, this point. Yeah, I mean, the only way this could backfire is if the guy goes, yeah, you can see him? Well, what is he wearing? <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, he didn't go down that route. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have been able to slide a hand his way out of that. But uh, anyway, Leo is shouting, shoot him. And Reed says, the voices, it's where you get your ideas from. They helped you to understand things that other people couldn't think of. And then as you grew older, it became a responsibility to use your knowledge. That's when Breyer says string theory, the theory of everything. Uh, Reed nods. Uh, Leo is still yelling at him to shoot him. But uh, Reed nods and says, uh, then M theory, which encompasses all the strings unifying all the theories. And uh, 
Gideon is watching and he says, don't push him, Reed. You know, the thing the thing with that is that I, I get that Gideon's concerned and is reading body language for this, but it, it almost sounds like like you can't hear him. He they don't have microphones in there. So how does he know if he's work if it's working or not, or what get you know, what Reed is saying? It's 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 a little weird. And every time we see Gideon confront uh the bad guy, he's Pushing him like crazy with his stuff. Like, he knows what to but do. But they don't so. have this particular, you know, m- mental defect going on. You know, this is a particular case. That That's why they were called uh-huh. in. <laughs> <laughs> so, as Reed is, is going into this, he's saying, you know, it's funny, most people can't, saying that M-theory can't be proved because the mathematical tools don't exist yet. But you see it, am I right? You can see the different strings unifying the dimensions. Through Ted's eyes, again, we get another hallucination, and it's kind of a cool shot here, um, better than the bird from a little <laughs> while ago. But we see uh, Reed morphing into a, a bunch of wires and strings uh, in human shape. He kind of looks like uh, Groot. Kind of, sort of yeah. looks like Groot. Yeah, I, I could. Yeah, it's a cool little effect there. Uh, and Reed is saying, "You can see through everything, right, Doctor Briar?" You you have the tools. Your mind is that tool. Leo is still screaming. He's one of them, Ted. He's one of them. And Ted tells Leo to shut up. And this has gone too long. This has gone on too long for Gideon. He's going to go in. So he starts <laughs> oh, walking toward the train. Even though he knows they have the HR team ready to, if you're, re- you're going to make that call, then that's what your call was going to be. But no, he decides he's going to go into the train. And uh, Reed is still saying only you can stop Leo by understanding him, understanding that he's a liar, that he only wants bad things for you. I need you to believe that, Dr. Breyer. Gideon is walking toward the train, and then there's some kind of struggle on the train, and we hear a gunshot. And at that point, you just know, you just know that... Oh, Reed has been shot and he's dead. Oh, no. At least that's what's going through Gideon's mind at that moment. You you could tell. Yeah. He just gets that look on his face like, what have I done? I'm the one who sent him in there. So he runs on board. And it turns out that Ted is shot. Harry Anderson, our quiet businessman, is uh, <laughs> not our Supreme Court judge <laughs> or night court judge, uh, Harry Stone. <laughs> Is there and he's he's got the gun shaking. And he's saying, "I had to. He was going to kill us all. I had to. God forgive me." Something that you could have done five hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. Uh, Reed says we need an ambulance, and we cut to Ted being put on the ambulance. He's actually still alive. He's saying, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And then we go. There's another ambulance there, and our doctor. She's all right too. Uh, she's getting put onto an ambulance. Elle is sitting there and uh, she's with Reed and she asks Gideon to tell them that she doesn't need to go to the hospital. And Gideon's like, it's regulations. Are you all right? Uh, she says, I'm fine, dad. <laughs> and Gideon, Gideon stops, starts to walk away, but then he stops and say, uh, Elle, don't ever call me dad again. <laughs> and then he leaves. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of ominous. Elle turns to Reed and says, How do you think he'd feel about mom? (laughs) Uh, Reed is like, "Uh, let me know when you're going to do that so I can run. (laughs) Um, She says, hey, Reed, you probably saved my life in there. And Reed's like, probably. Uh, I totally saved your life. It was all caught on tape. And uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> she says, you know what you said to Dr. Breyer and he, that you know what it's like? Reed says, yeah, he's a delusional psychotic and I was playing into his fantasy. Go to the hospital. I'll see you there. And then he starts to walk away. Except as he walks away, you know, you can kind of see on his face that much like Hotch last time out was really talking about himself. And, you know, he can you can play it off as much as he likes. Reed was talking about himself. There was a little too much honesty in there. Maybe it was stretched a little bit. But not all that much. As we learned earlier in the episode, the delusions and all that stuff comes from some form of reality. And uh, I think we're finally getting some nice insight in these characters coming out through how they attack uh, the unsubs. And, uh, you know, it holds up the mirror. You might not like what you see. Um, Yep. And so we do get our closing quote. And this one happens to be a Reed voiceover. Yay. Yay. And the quote is... Albert Einstein said, the question that sometimes drives me, sometimes drives me hazy, am I or the others crazy? It, you know, not the greatest poetry, but it, it, it is kind of poetic. Again, I'll read is like, hmm, yeah. doth I protest too much. Uh, all in all, I think it was a fun episode. I thought it was, you know, we're always going to nitpick. That's what this is about. But we nitpick with love. I th- but I thought there was some nice, good character stuff in here. I thought it was at least interesting to see uh, a different type of case going on here. Yeah. And uh, I mean, sure. Was it really just a really bad season of the real world? <laughs> Six strangers <laughs> picked to live on a train. <laughs> Who's up on the the phone? <laughs> True story. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, outside of that aspect of it, you know, of the of the just being very generic, I thought they did a nice job with it and made it very much a Criminal Minds episode. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more after I watched it, if, if that makes any sense. Like when I was watching it, I was kind of like, hmm. but as I was like going over my notes and and looking, at it, it was it wasn't my favorite of the Jeff Davis pinned episodes. But um, it was certainly better than last week's episode. <laughs> That's for sure. Low bar, low bar. But uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, it was a nice, nice little episode. Um, yeah. Nobody said the title this week. So we get another little X in that regard. And you would think derailed. But, you know, it, at least at least it had something to do with, with what was going on. But why would they say the train derailed? Because the train didn't derail. It was just the guy on it kind of the situation derailed. Mentally derailed. Yeah. Yes. So... Maybe they again. Maybe could have picked a different title, but uh, "Strangers on a Train" would have worked for me. But <laughs> <laughs> so now, AJ, let's crack out our barometer and ask ourselves the question we ask every week: uh, Did the team win? Yeah. Okay. So we are heading into this episode with a six-one and one record, and uh, no, you're going to look at this and you're going to go, "Hey, the unsub was caught." Albeit by somebody else on the train shooting them. But, you know, the situation had been pretty much handled at that point. So, I'm not going to fault them for that. There were five hostages. All five hostages survived. Albeit uh, not necessarily intact. You know, there was some bruising, some gunshots. But five for five on the save. The unsub is caught. I'm calling this one a draw. I'm calling this one a draw because... If Elle's not on this train, none of this happens. And if she's not reading a folder that says, it's better to investigations, 
None of this happens. This was uh, instigated just by her mere presence. Uh, and I can't fault her for wanting to take the train, but she could have done a better job of concealing her her folder. And uh, quite frankly, everything was, you know, just throwing the extra agent on board. And like, oh, really? Just the situation really didn't have to take place. So I'm not I'm not faulting her for that. They they caused the situation. And everyone survived, but I can I can't give them a win when I feel that they caused it. Hundred percent agree that that was my thing as well. If she just didn't have that folder, or if she wasn't on that train, I mean, sure, perhaps Leo could have convinced Ted of something else, but to actually have that FBI, yeah, if the guy doesn't commit suicide and the train doesn't stop, and you know, then they probably get to the conference and the doctor can handle him because it yeah. did seem like the doctor did have a really good grasp on how to handle him. It just he doesn't usually get that agitated, so. Uh, understood why it happened, but again, it 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 necessarily did not have to happen. Uh, I'm with you on a draw for this week. With that, it's time for our little quiz that we like to do at the end of every uh, episode. Yeah, let's go on. Let's go on with a quiz. As you know, I also host a podcast called Beat My Guest. It's a trivia podcast. I like to bring a little bit of that taste uh, into our criminal mindsing here on Thelonious Pundits. Uh, three questions for you, sir. You are. Eight for 24 thus far, which gives you a nice 333 batting average. Hey, that's Tony Gwynn level almost. So, uh, not doing poorly <laughs> uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Here we go with question one. This one is not multiple choice. So, I was looking at uh, Josh Patel's uh, student ID page when they showed it on the screen. And I froze it. I took a little closer look on it. And it included the books that he likes and one of the books that he likes included the title Fear and Loathing in Sunnydale, which is a real book. Can you tell me what is the subtitle of that book? It is an academic discipline of a television show. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the television show right off the bat. I've got to believe that this is one Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That is correct. So academic. It is the blank of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fear and Loathing in Sunnydale. The blank? I don't think I'm going to get AJ. It's a. I have no idea. Uh, Breakdown on. That's not right. I don't know. I'm going to give it a pass. I couldn't. Oh, I am pained. I am pained. It is the philosophy. Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The philosophy. <laughs> it's a study of philosophy of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a program where Jeff Kober had a multi-episode arc as Rack, the drug dealer. The magical drug dealer. <laughs> that's where I actually, now that I think of it, that's probably that's probably where Jeff Kober's face sticks out from for me. Indeed, indeed. Although it is what it is. I should have gotten that one. It was, oh, well. it was gettable. But that's okay. We're going to move on to question two. Question two, uh, you mentioned early in the episode, Elle was actually on her way to conduct an interview with William DeVries, who is not a real-life serial killer of children. Does not exist. It's a fictional name. However, there is a very famous William DeVries. Which of the following four choices is the actual occupation of the real-life William DeVries and may I once again point out, not actually a serial killer of children. <laughs> is William DeVries A, an astrophysicist? B, 
a game show host from the United Kingdom, C, a heart surgeon, or D, a funk musician? Wow, what a wide variety of choices. AJ, I'm going to be silly here, and I'm going to say what I hope William DeVries is, and I'm going to say I hope he is a funk musician. A funk musician. I really wish he was a funk musician. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was my favorite of the fake fake options there to put in. Uh, Actually, no, William DeVries, again, not a serial killer and murderer of children. He actually saves lives. He was the heart surgeon who performed the first heart transplant with the Jarvik heart. Oh, interesting fact. I should have known. In fact, thank you. Thank you, Criminal Minds, for including a fake name that's a real name, much like Harry Anderson was a real person. This is a real person, too. They do that a lot, and there's going to be some fun fake names that are real names uh, as we go. So whenever I see one, I'm certainly going to point it out. Uh, 0 for 2, but let's see if we can keep you at 333, because your percentage will never change if you continue to go 1 for 3. Because that's one of those point three 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 threes on into infinity and beyond. All right. My favorite question each week is question three. It is where I ask you to pick from the four choices and tell me what is the plot of the next episode that we are going to cover here, which, of course, will be Criminal Minds Season 1, Episode 10. And it is entitled The Popular Kids. The Popular Kids. Is the plot of this episode A? A school shooting similar to Columbine forces the BAU into a dangerous standoff. Is it B, high school A-listers may be involved in some sort of satanic cult? Is it C, the in-crowd ranks freshmen in order of coolness, and the bottom of the list is beginning to be killed? Or is it D, the popular kids are a hot new boy band? But the bad boy of the group is really, really bad. Wow. I'm going to see all four of these. See, um, I've watched a lot of these episodes over and over and over again. So I know what makes a good Criminal Minds <laughs> episode. So the, the the other options are always going to be appealing. AJ, I have no, no idea. I'm going to take a swing and say that this is the one with the uh, popular kids having the list and the one at the bottom of the list is going to get, uh, did we say killed? Yeah, what did we say is going to happen? Basically, the they're getting bottom? killed off in order from the bottom of the list as, as it goes up, yes. We'll, we'll go with that. that I mean, I, I, how could I be so clear about that uh, explanation unless I made it up myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I would have loved to have seen that one. No, I'm sorry. No, we are going to delve into the world of satanic cults, my friend. Uh, Satanic cults are on the agenda. High schoolers and Satan and all that good stuff. Next week on The Popular Kids. All right. There goes the average. Okay. You know, there's plenty of time to catch up. I do believe we have 314 episodes left to go. (laughs) But next week we hit double digits. I bet you didn't see that coming. Yes. Uh, I, I actually, I didn't think about it, but I, I could have told you, <laughs> uh, had you asked. <laughs> All right, folks, that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us here at Felonious Pundits. Uh, hope you had a great time. Uh, if you have, please, if you have had a great time, please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to spread the word and let your friends know about us. 
You can also write to us if you have any questions or comments at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Also, we have a Twitter now, so uh, go ahead and follow our Twitter, Felonious Pundits, uh, which is actually at pundits underscore podcast. I don't know. Uh, look it up. You'll find it on Twitter. <laughs> um, this is uh, Kentad Svensgaard for AJ Mass. Goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. Please believe that when I leave, there's nothing up my sleeve. Pat Monahan of Train.